0: I'm not feeling great today. I woke up with a bit of a headache. Feeling I got a flu shot yesterday, and I don't know if I'm just yeah. like experiencing the mild fallout of a flu shot. But uh,
1: yeah, I, I got know. a flu shot, and I had like just like this mild irritated sore throat for like a week. Hmm. I was a little concerned about it at first because I get strep sometimes, and that's you know sore throat without any other symptoms. Mm-hmm. But it just never got bad. Never even really super painful, just enough to be annoying. Mm. And then I looked it up that that sore throat can be a side effect of the flu shot. Interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, I feel like crap. So um, we have some movies, though. That's fun.
1: We sure do. Did any of them make you feel better?
0: Mm. Not really. I mean, I think one of them is bordering on excellent but there are none of them are great no and none of them left me feeling great i just watched bad hair by the way uh How did you watch it just before coming to this recording i had to skim through the last 40 minutes or so to oh that's
1: it. that's even better
0: yeah because to so me the I, strongest I the, the
1: strongest stuff is the beginning
0: yeah yeah it's a very surprisingly strong stuff actually uh, oh anyway, i thought it was super
1: strong it surprised yeah.
0: me right I mean, I guess are we diving into this? We're then? diving into it. Bad I, hair. To me, I thought just based on blurb and you know trailer and whatever, I'm like, okay, this is a this is a a black culture version of, like of a good boy with Judy Greer, like a mm-hmm. dumb concept that you know somebody gets drunk and is like, what what about this? And then they make a movie out of it, and it's not that. It's way more specific. Mm-hmm. It's way it's way more personal and interesting, and has a lot to say. I think it does devolve into camp and silliness, but I was surprised how not silly the first so anyway, I guess we should talk about the uh the picture first.
1: Sure. So El Lorraine plays Anna and she is a young black what is her role? She's kind of an assistant at this network.
0: She's an executive assistant to begin with, right? And then she kind of climbs right. the ladder to produce and yeah,
1: But she has dreams to be a producer and also to be on-camera talent for this network. Uh, This takes place in, what, 1989, late 80s. Mm -hmm. It's looking that it's some sort of MTV-ish channel with a niche toward black culture at the time. And the channel is having a big reorg that's causing everyone some stress and anxiety. Uh, Vanessa Williams comes in as Zora to hopefully turn things around. And one of the things that Zora catches on about Anna, you know, in whom she sees some promise, is that her hair is natural and therefore bad. And Anna had some trauma with her hair growing up that is shown to us. And she's given the name of the salon where she needs to go to get the right kind of hair to be the professional woman in this field that she should be. And uh, Laverne Cox, I think, has a great turn as her um, beautician and hairdresser. And the hair ends up just sort of attacking people and feeding off of people, the enemies of Anna who get in her way. And this movie, I feel like, isn't really mine to comment on. And yet I stood in awe of the first half of it. Because I felt like it was introducing me to such a unique culture and unique challenges that particularly black women experience with their hair, both on its own terms, as well as in a white dominated world. And then even within a black dominated world that is still oppressed as it is by whiteness. And I thought that the film brought this out in a lot of interesting ways. I felt the characters seemed really real and relatable, even though I don't know their world all that well. My critique of it, um, just briefly, is that once it kind of grew into the horror movie that it was trying to be, then it didn't make a lot of sense anymore. And it just got kind of silly. And the things I feel it had to say were kind of thrown to the wayside. You know, any any conversations about natural hair, versus a weave and what that represents to people and the pain and the agony and the suffering to get your hair to look a certain way in order to have the life that you want in a, in an oppressive culture, all of these really um rich themes that were being explored in the first half, I feel just kind of abandoned in the second half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's, that's um, covers my thoughts pretty closely uh, worth mentioning also in the cast, uh, Lena Waithe Uh-huh. and, um, what's her name? Yanni King Monshine as sister soul and Brooklyn, two of her kind of, uh, Anna's colleagues. Uh, and I thought they, they were standouts, um, as characters, as actors, Jay Farrow's in there as a host on the channel, Julius, who's kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah,
1: I don't know. Um, and the mythology that they weaved in, right? With Blair Underwood, uh, gray for some reason. Right. And uh, where there's this book about uh, an enslaved person who then sought to change her hair through the moss of this tree and it took her over and like this, and this lore about witches that come to life through you when you, when you change your hair in this way and her adopter, was it, was it her uncle or adopted father? Talking about... Yeah, she
0: called a Monk, yeah.
1: Right, 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 okay. Talking about how these are the stories that are not just superstitions. They have made us who we are. We need to respect them. Um, but these stories are also not freeing. They're not liberating stories either. He's trying to um, repress her with this narrative, and yet it's the narrative ultimately that makes sense of the madness that's happening.
0: There's like a movement right now with um, kind of black shows and movies and things that are embracing tropes of horror and sci-fi and, and things that, but kind of reclaiming them or, or, yeah. or just, you know, uh, like uh, the show Lovecraft Country, which kind of takes these very familiar horror tropes and Indiana Jones type adventure stuff and magic, but it it, it specifically places them into a, con- a context of, uh, you know, early uh, mid 20th century uh, South- Southern America and the black mm-hmm. experience. And this movie so pinpoint specific in 1989 in this kind of cultural uh, moment that uh, I, I find it all fascinating and, and really cool. It breeds new life into things that have become kind of stale. I guess I would criticize Lovecraft Country the same way as this movie that once you devolve into the special effects sequences and the chases and the killing and the craziness, it all kind of blurs together anyway. But I'd much rather see something that has – this movie does way more uh, world-building character, building Mm -hmm. story setting than most horror movies bother to do. So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, it was
1: interesting. The dialogue was good. It was often funny. I cared about Anna, the main character. I I was unclear what the hair ultimately represented because it appeared Mm -hmm. to be an agent that would act according to her emotional upheaval, but it was also feeding on other people. And what was the significance of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's always an issue in these kind of Faustian stories where there's like this evil agent that comes into the life of the innocent, hapless person and then kind of, you know like you have to be you have to kind of lay out your rules like the little shop of horrors type of a thing of like is is it an innocent person who gets swept up in you know the the evil of this supernatural entity or is it something from within them and i think a lot of movies and stories that, that do this just kind of want to get you to the edge of the horror and then just mm-hmm. do, do do what you're supposed to do in a horror movie yeah it was interesting how there was some there was even some flashbacks and some hints about where the hair came from. Mm -hmm. And there was an interesting, interesting juxtaposition, I guess, or or transplantation of the one prominent white actor in the movie into Mm -hmm. the flashback at the end that I thought was hinting towards something. But yeah, I, I, maybe that would have been nice to spell that out a little more.
1: Yeah. But ultimately I, I was glad I watched it. I liked it.
0: Yeah. I actually meant to recommend this for us a few weeks back, a few mm-hmm. shows back. I just kind of got lost in the shuffle, but I had heard a couple of reviews that at least had intrigued me that it was deeper than it sounded like it mm-hmm. would have any business being. All right. Well, um, let's talk about His House. Sure. His House is a 2020 horror thriller drama film, a uh, acquired and, just, and released by Netflix Directed by Remy Weeks and uh, written by him. This is his uh, feature debut. He is a uh, UK filmmaker. And this is the story of um, a couple uh, of refugees who escape from Sudan uh, through much conflict, upheaval and war and have a horrifying journey by boat to the UK and then uh, they are processed by the government, spend some time in detention. And then uh, apparently this is what I just watched an interview with, with uh, weeks with the filmmaker earlier today. And he just, this is the fact that led to the, his, his, his uh, imagining this whole thing that if you are a refugee and you are uh, officially processed by the UK government, they do actually, uh, hook you up with a residence, Hmm. but they choose the home. And then there are some very draconian rules about you must live in this home. You must, you know, you must, uh, fulfill these expectations. You must check in. You cannot look for work until you are approved to do so. So the kind of, uh, I assumed at first that this was a personal story, it is not weeks is not a, a Sudanese refugee and it's not a personal experience. It's simply an attempt, his attempt to say something about um, about the refugee issue, about what the UK is like, uh, and also just to tell an interesting haunted house story uh, in a fashion that I've never seen before. So, uh, yeah, they come in the, and the government gives them a house to stay in. It's very rundown. It's very gross. And some weird things begin to happen and uh they are haunted and their house is haunted but the haunting uh, I, it's it's hard to talk about this movie without just getting really really specific about a bunch of things but i'll say i guess i'll just segue into m- my thoughts about it, what makes it so interesting is that it's a movie about the horrors of the refugee experience but It's not quite what you would expect in terms of, you know, uh, innocent couple fleeing, having a nightmarish experience uh, in Europe and then being mistreated by racist locals. You know, all that stuff's there, but there's a whole other dimension to the horrors they bring with them. You know, I think there's a tendency to think of refugees and immigrants as kind of blank slates who kind of come in fresh faced. And then it's a question of how well they'll adapt and how well they'll do. And there's a lot of language like that for them when they first, you know, get to the UK. But, um, there are some, there are certain horrors that I won't get into too specifically that they carry with them and inside of them, which, uh, don't even relate to their experience as refugees. They they relate to their experiences back home and in their escape, And uh, I don't know, I I appreciated that, that they were very multi dimensional characters, that there was a lot going on from all angles. And the other thing as a film that I appreciated about uh, his house was the way that this is a movie that, you know, the conventional wisdom is less is more. And you don't you kind of hint at things, especially in a haunted house movie. You kind of just have shadows and hints and intimations. And then towards the end, you reveal the evil. This is a movie that shows the ghosts a lot. Mm -hmm. and they're mysterious and things about them are revealed over time but this i was surprised uh in a pretty good way how this movie dives right into the haunting and immediately i feel like there's just more elbow room to think about themes and to think about what's going on than to simply be scared and wait until the end to have everything kind of come together i don't know i uh thought this was a pretty bleak movie it was not always pleasant to watch and um, to, your, to your question earlier, I don't know if it left me feeling better, although it has an interesting ending. Anyway, that's uh, a really awkward setup to a discussion of his <laughs> house. But Dan, what was your experience with this movie?
1: Yeah, I liked it too. I didn't like it. It's not fair to compare these two, but um, I liked like The Atlantics better, mm-hmm. which to me was in a similar vein. Yeah. But I did enjoy this movie. I think the performances are good. I think the the um conceit is very interesting a lot of the visuals are captivating even though we're we're trapped in this house this small house i feel like there are a lot of interesting things that happen in this house visually um even though we're stuck in the same place for a good part of it um i was interested when the wife um niel is that her name rial yeah excuse me when she talks about this legend of the night witch and reminds her husband after these um, happenings start start going on in their house that seems supernatural or malevolent of this man who decided to steal from this night witch. But little did he know that a bit of the witch was in all of the possessions. So he built his house then out of this witch, basically, and could never escape that witch. Right? Mm. And I didn't quite understand the giving of that legend at that time. Because I thought, well, what does that compare to? How does it compare to their experience? And we come to you know what you what we don't want to reveal is that it does have to do with their experience that really it it parallels it very well, and these ideas of the the things that we do, big or small, that are anywhere from bent to evil, in order to survive um that that just doesn't stay in the past that becomes a part of us, and we bring it with us. And I think that that's uh, perceptive. And it was really interesting to bring those concepts and themes into a story, a a very real, realistic story of the refugee experience. I think the most um, terrifying horror is when you can situate it in reality, Mm -hmm. when everything else about what's going on seems very real. And in this movie, it did.
0: Yeah. And also, uh, I failed to, to give uh shout out to the actors. Uh, Sope Derisu is the male lead. The, I don't, I don't know if they're, if they're married or if they're just partners, but he's uh bowl and, uh, Wunmi Mosaku is uh real, his, his wife or his partner. And she is also, she's great. She's in Lovecraft country in a very, she's got a great role in that show in a very different role than, than hers here. But, um, yeah, they're great. Matt Smith, the British actor, former Doctor Who, uh, is their caseworker with uh, the immigration office, and um, it's a very small cast with a lot of other people in tiny parts. But really, they're the main characters that you that you meet. Yeah, um, it's on Netflix. It's uh, it's more than worth a watch. It's pretty unpleasant, but it's also very original, and um, I was happy that I so I, and i do i agree with you that horror you know this and it's an ongoing trend it's not so much new anymore here in 2020 but the idea of of horror as a way of exploring uh you know movie horror supernatural horror as a gateway into looking into hu- human horror mm-hmm. yes uh, either psychological or in this case uh well psychological and um you know the the refugee experience and all those things is a very Interesting thing, and another thing that the director said weeks said in his interview was uh he feels like horror is a genre that allows you to be more emotionally direct and honest than you can be in almost any other mm-hmm. movie genre because everything's so superficial, and that this is a way of confronting things in a way that you're not allowed to in a lot of other uh genres, and I thought that was an interesting comment,
1: yeah, I mean, a la parasite right. I think that Parasite Mm -hmm. was more of a horror movie than it was popularly marketed as Mm -hmm. because it took human horror and just displayed it so artfully in a story that was so compelling that that we were hooked and we weren't scared because it wasn't happening to us, but it kind of is happening to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's why we accept it, but. Yeah, those right. th- those, uh, those films are so effective.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always up for that, um, and I more so than than using horror for cheap thrills or for some kind of gimmick. Although right. uh, movies like Bad Hair take the gimmicks and do mm-hmm. more with them than you might expect. All right, uh, you want to tell us about the lie, Dan?
1: Yeah, this was one that just kept on coming up in my recommendations and I finally gave in and watched The Lie. It's not new, it's from 2018. And Joey Kang stars as Kayla, who is the daughter of Jay and Rebecca, played by Peter Sarsgaard and Mireille Enos. Um, her parents are divorced but still have a reasonably decent relationship, all living in this upper middle class nonsense. And one day, Jay is driving Kayla to where? Some dance retreat or something? Yeah, dance retreat. And they come across Kayla's friend, Brittany, waiting at a bus stop. Supposedly to go to the same retreat, they pick her up. And at one point, the girls need to go to the bathroom along the long road in the middle of nowhere. So they get out of the car. And next thing Jay knows is that Kayla, his daughter, has pushed Brittany off of this bridge after a dispute. And Brittany is presumably dead. And through a turn of events, they decide that the best thing to do is to pretend that it never happened, that Kayla was never going to the dance retreat. They haven't seen Brittany, and they just want to protect protect their daughter. The mother, um, Rebecca... Is an attorney, understands local law enforcement procedures, kind of guides them along. And they think they're helping their case by enlisting um, Rebecca's old friends from her former department, but those friends get suspicious. Brittany's father is understandably worried and also suspicious. And things spiral further and further out of control until the parents are committing worse and worse acts in order to protect Kayla before the entire thing comes to a tragic close. um what do you think of the lie?
0: Well, uh, okay I, Your comment to me in in mentioning that you'd watched it was that the reviews were horrible and you were intrigued and that you watched it and you Mm -hmm. didn't think it was as bad as... So I went in with that thought. Right. So I would agree up top. My experience watching the first half of this movie or first even Mm -hmm. two-thirds of this movie was, what are they talking about? This is interesting. I, you know, I... Shireen hates movies that are all tension and conflict and things spiraling. I can really enjoy that, especially when it's well done and tight. Like, you know, I like a Coen Brothers movie about, um, an, you know, a, a normal person stumbling into crime or into some horrific situation that that just gets out of hand. And I thought that's what I was watching. I thought this was kind of an exploration of one of the most horrific what ifs for a family. Um, how, you know, what would it be like to deal with this? And I was into it and I was on board, even though some things about it are strange, but I just thought, yeah, it's histrionic. It's a little over the top in the acting, but I liked it. Um, and then we're, I we're always kind of on the fence about spoilers here. Um, it's a 2018 movie, but I, um, as things begin to come together and be revealed is where the movie did ultimately lose me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to the point where I regretted having watched it. But uh, it—I don't know that it holds up as a whole. It's an interesting journey. I like the actors. I like the idea. Um, I—it simply—it by the end, there's so many. Wait a minute. There's so many. Like, go back to that. Well, then what was that? Like, the the whole idea and and what the lie is kind of shifts a little mm-hmm. bit throughout the movie, to the point where, I, I, yeah, it's it's hard to talk about it without specifics. Do we just want to decide? uh to go there yeah
1: let's go there it's 2018
0: yeah so the lie uh was that they were going to lie about having seen britney and they were going to lie about the incident but then of course by the end we discover the lie is that um kayla and britney were in cahoots the whole thing was a joke so that britney could go be with her boyfriend and they didn't expect it to get out of hand. And it was only because this, you know, this broken family of Jay, Rebecca, and Kayla had had become closer through the lie that she said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I, I just, I, I wanted to tell you. And that for me, so that's the, it's a Blumhouse movie. And I think it's supposed to be like a Twilight Zone, pull the rug out ending, where now the police are closing in on the house for the crime that the parents have committed. And Kayla admits that it was all a prank uh britney has walked into their house and said hi what's going on um to me that was so absurd and i it kayla's behavior first of all the fact that that was the joke that that was the prank that, that was the plan to get britney uh you know out of the way and then the fact that kayla behaves the way she does even when she's alone <laughs> in the movie and the fact that she's on the floor crying, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. That was a part of the joke. Like right. to me, all that stuff falls apart and doesn't work and is insane. But I, so I kind of ad- still admire the movie as a swing, as an attempt. Uh, but yeah, to me, it all came crashing in at the ending.
1: Yeah, and there's an enormous plot hole once you know what ultimately happened, which is so Brittany's dad doesn't know about. Where she's at. He thinks that she's run away at first. And so, if that is what he thought, were they expecting the parents to hide the murder or are they expecting the parents to share about what happened so as to alleviate the father's fear of where his daughter is and instead confirm that she's dead? Um, but no, apparently not. So the question is, why did Brittany get involved with Kayla at all? Why didn't she just go see her boyfriend and be MIA for the weekend? What, right. Why, why did this need to happen? Why did Kayla need to pretend that she'd murdered someone for a weekend? Does she think? What did she think would happen with her parents? She's a sociopath.
0: And was part of Brittany's side of the of the plot to get in a fight with her father that would result in him abandoning her at that specific bus stop. Right.
1: None of it makes sense because if she just wanted to go see her boyfriend, then she just should have gone and done it because her dad didn't think she was somewhere else. He knew she was missing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that that's one of the, but before things get twisty, you know, the constant badgering of the father, Brittany's father, showing up at their door and knocking mm-hmm. at the door at inopportune moments is part of the tension. Right. And at first I thought that was very effective. And he kind of plays this kind of no, like very low key suburban dad. <clears throat> and I don't know, I, I while I was still on board, I thought that stuff worked. And then. It Yeah, it, but it, if, it really does not make any sense.
1: No, and if Kayla is watching things unravel, if she's a teen who, let's say that she made this plan, even though the plan makes no sense. Once Brittany's father started to get more seriously involved, once detectives are showing up at your house and you're being accused of murder and your parents are lying to police, when do you say, when do you come clean? Well, that, right. that wasn't enough for Kayla. Right. Because, oh, mom and dad are coming back together through this. I like this.
0: Right. Yeah, because they're having breakfast together, and mom and dad are talking more, and they're even getting affectionate, and Mm -hmm. it's a broken family, and the dad's kind of shaggy, and he's got, you know, he's got a rock band, and he's making time with uh, younger ladies and whatever. Uh, But, so... Yeah, I, it doesn't add up. I suppose, though, to even push back on my own criticism, I guess the stuff with Kayla saying I'm a terrible person, I'm terrible, could be her just ripping herself to shreds because of her conflictedness over whether to say something. But I, that's still it. How did she get to that point? It doesn't make any sense. Why how is she, she so
1: loyal to the lie and to the friend? Like, why does she care so much if Brittany gets a weekend with her boyfriend or not? Just be like. Oh, dear God, Britney's with her boyfriend. It's the idiot plot that if just one person would say one crucial thing, everything would be solved. Instead, now her parents have murdered someone in trying to cover up a murder that never happened.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is nightmarish, but it's simply not. I felt like the opening. Uh, strains of the movie I could you know on a movie level I could empathize and get into it and think like go along with it but then yeah by the end it's just not on the it's not on this planet anymore
1: yeah and Enos and Sarsgaard are very good which Mm -hmm. unfortunately heightens the material because had lesser or even poor actors played these roles I think I would have been bored a lot earlier and wouldn't have Mm -hmm. cared and and these two I think drew me in to, right. to making them a little bit of anti-heroes Like you did kind of want to, want them to get away with it And then to realize that they had been set up From the beginning not to by a character nobody likes Is right. just a real punch in the gut to the audience
0: Yeah, and yeah, and so Kayla Joey King as Kayla, I guess she's She's good as like an any teen She kind oh, of feels sure. like a real kid uh, But I thought Brittany was so, so loathsome Right, <laughs> which helps you kind of understand why somebody would push her off a bridge, but in in movie logic, but it doesn't help you understand why somebody would enter into this House of Cards plot with her. Right, if she's that unpleasant and rude to Kayla, I guess that's the thing teens do. Maybe is that they serve at the pleasure of horrible friends because it might give them some popularity, but. I, don't know. I I'm not saying that I approve of pushing annoying girls Oh, I hear them, you. But... I hear you. I don't want to get canceled.
1: We've already been canceled.
0: Yeah. Well. The 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 more boring type that has to do with ratings.
1: We were never subscribed to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh I mean, you could do worse, I suppose, but I don't think this movie works ultimately
1: no it doesn't it has a lot of great pieces and just yeah. in the end unfortunately the the plot didn't cut, didn't work there's no center
0: yep uh all right i think that's uh what i got did it um yeah let's uh watch some more movies and you know meet back here
1: jonah take us out
0: all right uh have a delightful week, and I guess we're going to have a a holiday before we talk again. So enjoy that. Mm, is that right? And um, I would imagine so. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the thirtieth is our next time.
0: Wow. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. Thank you for listening. Our uh, music is by Jonah Rapino. We'll see you next time. Bye.